Rua, welcome to MP Radio. Uh, always make progress, and we are glad to have you here. Yeah, How are you doing? Fun. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome, awesome. So, Rua, there's a reason why I invited you here, so that MP mentees and, of course, uh, people outside MP can uh, learn a lot from you, especially the uh, life journey that you have had. What I see, what Sean and I both see, is that a lot of people. Uh, their mind is their biggest enemy when it comes to progress or flourishing. I mean, even I see that I can openly say this, like me being in India, I'm like trying my level best to connect mm -hmm. with coaches, to gather info, to get to be my best. Whereas I see people who are in US, I mean, you guys live in the epicenter, like where these things are. And you guys are so like you guys are so underconfident, and like that saddens me to be honest. That really saddens me. Real. Yes, it's real. It's real. So, what I want is you being someone who came from Ireland to uh, US without knowing a single soul. You knew one, but let's not go there. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean. Like alien, like you're you're an alien to this country, a, a totally different continent, a different way of living, a culture. So, and then from there to where you are today, like that's a huge, huge difference, exponential, I would say. So, if you could talk about your journey and the mindset that you have that made you what you are today. Sure, I understood. Uh, I'm gonna start off with a little anecdote. Um, I'm going to change the name so she doesn't get insulted. Um, when I was just starting out being a trainer, I think I was like 18, 19. I was also in college studying applied physics at the time. Um, I'm old as shit now. Uh, yeah, there's this, this girl basically who worked with us. Super nice girl. She's studying sports science. Like one of the dumbest people I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> super nice girl. So pleasant. Like super chill. But like fucking useless professionally. And at the time, I hadn't started driving yet. And this, this chick basically went and passed the driving test full time. And I was super nervous about her first time. I was super nervous about doing mine because, you know, a lot of my friends, like the parents who taught them to drive or whatever, and wasn't the case for me. So she passed it. I'm going to change the name. Her name. We'll say her name was Sarah, okay? If I insult anyone called Sarah, sorry, it's not about you. This is the Sarah. <laughs> a lot of really smart people have, are filled with doubt because they see all the possibilities after the fact. Stupid fucking people go straight forward, right? And any single thing that you want to do, someone much, much, much less smart, less determined and less hardworking than you has probably already done. When you start out from that point, that people much stupider than you with much less mental faculties than you have already done what you want to do, of course you can do it. That's, that's my mentality and everything. I'm like, I can't do this. I go, let me see if I can find someone much dumber than me who's already done it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> if they can do it, I can do it. That's simple. And I, I know it sounds so silly and so juvenile, right? But sometimes you got to break things down and like not actually intellectualize that much. You look mm. at some of the people who've done the sort of stuff that you want to do, I'm not as smart as you. That's simple. That means you can do it too. And you can probably do it faster and better. So that's where I started out. I started out to get training like, while I was in college. I was teaching Kung Fu at the time as well, fighting competitively. Um, and I got to the point where like, I was just, I was working for the gym and they were just pieces of shit, to be honest. They were like, a, they were, the boss was back. The rest of the team were great. 
the, the guy that ran the gym was just not not super nice, not very professional. And I basically got to a point where they're trying to bully me into taking another contract. Um, and they stopped putting me on, I worked hard, I, I did. But they were, they were stopped putting me basically up for the courses that they're contractually obliged to. Because every year we had an educational allowance and they stopped basically fulfilling their end of the bargain. So when my contract renewal came up, I said like, hey, can you send me on this course, this course, and this course? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, you have to because it's in the contract. And they're like, yeah, well, you're already outperforming everybody else. Why would we invest more money into you? I was like, that's a pretty shitty way to motivate someone to do the job. <laughs> um, so I said, okay, counter offer, make me a new position. Um, or give me a two-point raise if I'm doing more than everybody else by your own admission. Like, no. I'm like, great, I quit. What? I'm like, yeah, I quit. So they would have to hire, and they did have to hire three people to replace me. So it was gonna be like a, a big, a big hit for them. So then I was like, okay, tell you why. But I've got to do have a counter offer. I will pay you X amount per month um, to use your facilities unlimited. Now that gym had all the training and everything else included. We're all salaried employees. So for them, they're like, well, of course, no one's gonna buy your services. I was making money hand over fist. Like it was ridiculous. I was working like 12 hours a week, taking a vacation every month. It was fantastic. <laughs> like, again, opportunity is there if you go looking hard enough. But then it got to the point where I realized uh, my business was gonna smother itself or they were gonna catch on that I was making a lot of money and jack my rent up and kind of you know, cripple me a little bit. So I had to open my own facility. And then I realized I didn't want to live in Ireland forever. So I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. I texted all my friends and said, hey, I'm leaving the country in two weeks permanently. Uh, a few guys out on Wednesday for some drinks. They all thought it was a joke, two weeks later I went. Uh, I didn't know, I, I know you wonder, I was dating someone who was over here at the time. We were going back and forward like every month. And uh, that didn't work out, long story. So I ended up working in Crunch. Um, you guys know Crunch, it's like, you know, random corporate gym. Um, at the time, I was taking tons of certifications. I just thought everything was basically shit because you come in there with an intelligent question and people would, like try and shut you down as hard as they could. I'm going to use an example of a very well-known kettlebell certificate. We'll talk about using your lat to get your arm overhead. I'm like, that's great. Your lat is a humeral flexor. Sorry, humeral extensor, rather. We're going to use it to get humeral flexion. And they get really mad at you. They're like, oh, you're just being difficult. I'm you know, not being fucking difficult. I'm just saying like, can you explain the discrepancy between what a lot actually fucking does and what you're saying it does? And I was finding all these, like, in almost every certification, I was finding, okay, you're, you're basically trying to beat me up for a day or two and then charge me for the privilege of using fucking something with a different handle or a very slightly different vector or different loading curve. And, like, I don't really give a shit about that. Oh, a kettlebell versus a dumbbell. It's a dumbbell with a different fucking handle. So, like, like, oh, a TRX. I'm like, they're rings, but more expensive and worse. Like, but the whole industry is so obsessed with tools instead of systems and principles, it's hilarious. Like this, and I know people who have based their entire business on pure kettlebells. What the <laughs> fuck is the point of that? It's not identity, it's not professionalism. Like, it's just hilarious to me. I'm a rower guy, all right? Are your clients? I don't know, we, it's just fucking weird to me. Anyway, so I worked at Crunch for a while, and this is, talk about work ethic for a moment. So I didn't have a visa at the time, so I was working at a bar under the table. Um, so I'd go from, from 5 or 6 p.m. I'd work in the bar until 5 or 6 a.m. Then I would go straight to the gym and then work till 5 or 6 p.m., take a one-hour nap in the day, then go straight to the bar, then go straight to the gym, then go straight to the bar for two to three days at a time. Then I would sleep for a day and do the same again. I don't recommend that to anybody. 
it's all the benefit of being like, you know, your mid 20s, early 20s, you can kind of get away with that with a lot of caffeine. It's fucking stupid. Don't do it. But what I realized when I was going to that gym, right, there's so many people trying to pick up clients and they're doing it ass backwards. They were walking around that place looking for sales, looking for sales, looking for sales. I was walking around that place trying to talk to people and help them. That was it. Like organic growth will almost always be better than artificial growth where when you can get it. And how that comes by is word of mouth is always super powerful. It's all you've got to know from referrals. Word yeah. of mouth, I don't, we don't have to talk about price. They just go, okay, that's it. If I get someone from Instagram, they're worried about my prices. I get someone from word of mouth, they never are. They're like, okay, I know you get resolution. It's all to perceive value. You know what I mean? And Sean, like, I know, you see you nodding there, like perceived value in physical therapy is a huge thing because someone's putting you on that stim for 15 minutes and they're leaving you alone with your physical therapy assistant versus an hour with a good therapist. It's a different game. Very different. So from there, I was basically like, I went, ended up getting a system manager, manager at the gym. And I was like making decent money, but like working crazy hours and still realizing that most of what I did was absolute horseshit. And there were huge gaps in who I could help and how I could help them. And what I was being taught in most personal training courses was not only not complete or not accurate, it was completely fucking wrong. Everything down from the rep schemes of oh, 12 to 20 for this or one to six for this. The research, the, the contemporary research even then did not support what people were saying and what was being taught in these courses. It was so ass backwards, it's not even funny. But it continued to get churned out. So I was always looking for something different. I was like, I thought FMS, I'm like, okay, we're getting there the right direction but again not nearly comprehensive enough um and then one of my one of my trainers came in he'd done a pri course and he you know tried to show me some stuff and none of it worked <laughs> mm. i was like great he took the weekend course didn't know didn't understand anything couldn't explain to me none of it fucking worked and i was like all right it's interesting enough that i'm willing to spend four or five hundred bucks seeing if he's correct because at that time Everything else I looked at was just like, what else is there in the fitness industry that's like really compelling? If you've been doing it for 10, 15 years, you should know mm. a lot about nutrition. Like, especially for a weight, for, for like a body composition purpose, that should be fucking easy. You should be able to do it in your head. Like, programming, there's only so many different variables you can really play with. And again, if you're doing it long enough and reading consistently throughout, there's only so many directions you can go with that. Exercise selection, same thing. So after that, you kind of have to go to how do I optimize what I'm already doing? What's, how can it be as lazy as possible to get the best results possible? Because nobody wants to work harder, especially our clients, especially the ones that don't like being in the gym. So I was like, All right, let me see about this rehab stuff because I've been jacked up a couple of times and I think it's interesting. Went to the first course and realized that I knew absolutely fucking nothing. I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at anatomy. No, I'm not pretty good at anatomy. I don't know. And that was sobering, shall we say. Um, so then in the next two or three years, I think it took 22 courses, took every single course available. Um, and I, then I started working with them actually on, started working with a couple of physical therapy firms in the city with Yoli Takata over at Funk Physio and Brad and Dean over at IPA. And I work actually with a lot of the prime patients to go through the PRI system in Nebraska. They live in the Tri-State area as well. Um, but kind of, I kind of skipped ahead there a little bit. Probably the most weird thing for me ever was I was in a cervical revolution course and I knew I'd have to go there because I had a lot of concussions. I had like my jaw like this over to the right side. I have a huge cant to my mouth, like a sort of smile from like one ear to <laughs> down to here. This, um, my left eye was low. I was hy hyper vigilant, hyper, I wouldn't say hyper aggressive, but hyper reactive for sure, um, which was very beneficial as a competitive fighter. Less so as a human being outside of that. 
<laughs> you know, everything just fucking pisses you off. You always want to fly up the handle, stupid shit. But uh, Ron put like a, uh, like just like a makeshift orthosis in my mouth. And all of a sudden, literally my vision zoomed out. My peripheral vision came back in seconds. After I did an exercise, though, he had me do an exercise. But then peripheral vision came back in seconds. Emotional and cognitive processing came back in seconds. I felt myself just, I felt emotion again. It was such a rush that I almost started crying in front of like 70 people. You know, the grounds like asking, you okay? I'm like, so when I kind of got to that point, I was like, okay, I need to know more and more and more and more about this. Because um, again, like, you know, if you're in the industry long enough, you're going to have people who are injured. And what typically happens to those people is they're underserved in the fitness realm. Because most trainers, as soon as they hear someone's injured, they're, nope, go away. Mm. Or, in my opinion, in my experience, experience is only typically two major kind of archetypes. There's a, you're injured, fuck off, I'm not going to touch you, I can't help you. Or is that have you tried stretching it out and throwing only consistently and we're going to ignore it and you're never going to do lower body again? <laughs> but like, I think those, those are the two ones you see in most gyms, right? Shoulder injury, cool. We're going to do legs forever. Like, And then there's some vague platitude. Oh, everybody's body is different. Uh, 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 shit pissing me off so much. Everybody's <laughs> body is, of course, different. But like, most people's bodies are fairly similar. Is lazy as lazy thinking <laughs> that's exactly it it's yeah. how can i pass the book and this be none of my responsibility whatsoever especially when you see and you see it very often a lot of people's clients have the same injuries because they're getting injured because of the program and because of the form of the techniques they're doing you have five show five clients with a right shoulder injury you just start thinking about hey, how the fuck am i programming how am i conducting these exercises maybe maybe i'm part of the problem and of course, we know the fitness industry in general is not very self-reflective. <laughs> we tend not to order. No, no, no. It's just what happens when people bench press, right? It's just what happens when you overhead press or dip. Fucking bullshit. It doesn't have to happen. Uh, tons of people are super strong on no shoulder pain. That I was mean, a long rant. That, 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 uh, that feeling of like the... Um... Like it's hard to describe. Like, like you describe with like the peripheral vision coming back. Like when oh. you experience that um because people hear that and they're like oh this is so woo woo," you know it's yeah, like it's, it's it's hard to like experience like or describe like what the feeling is but it's almost like just like a like a calmness because we will have it happen in the clinic like people will yeah. be like like they just like start tearing up and you're like yeah, had, Holy shit, what the hell just happened <laughs> so if, what i like to say is like i the way I explain it to most people is it doesn't matter whether or not you perceive something enough input of anything is a stressor like if I'm in a good mood and someone's like poking me in the arm, I'm like, why are you doing that? Don't do that. Someone's shining a little light in my eyes, like don't, don't do that. So a little bit of background noise, no problem. As each of those stressors comes up, even if it's not really perceptible to me, my tolerance to any other stress goes down. Now, Sean, you know, when you have a concussion, you have so much background stress that you're not even necessarily aware of that your tolerance to any stress is basically zero. Like, or mine at least, I had five TBIs and a cervical spine injury. I almost have to be quadriplegic, which I don't recommend. Um, so, like, you know, someone bump into me and I wouldn't start a fight, but Jesus Christ, if you pushed me afterwards, I'd knock you the fuck out. I'd be like, okay, now's my time to shine. Well, obviously, in, a, in professional situations, I would not do that. But I'd be like, I'm going to go silently rage somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a rage in a club. Yeah, like when I uh, think of like when I had the concussion, like the 
Like that's that's like an extreme representation of some of the stuff, right? That we're talking right. about. So now I'm like, oh shit, now I kind of get this. Like I understand what hypervigilance is because I couldn't go to like a restaurant and the visual stimulus was too much. Oh, yeah. I started getting heart palpitations and all these things. Yep. Or like these things are just subclinical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would have differences in my in my ears. Yep. And like I just think it's like these things happen right to everyone. It's just the extent, right? Like the that, that's exactly it. Subclinical. Some people it's a lot. Some people it's a little, you know, like yep. those types of things. Um, I've seen one to two people on the concussion end who've gone the other direction. And instead of going uh, fight, they've gone complete flight. They're just nervous wrecks who are hypervigilant but not aggressive. Like they're the other way. Everything terrifies them. And it's almost worse. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was me. I went to the, um, I went to the, the ER one day. Um, I went, so I was, I was at the mall. I went to the Apple store. And that store is like super bright lights. Like it's just mm-hmm. a lot of people, all this stuff. Started getting heart palpitations. I can uh, see it. Yeah, my heart rate was, it was very high. I got very scared. I got out of breath walking up the stairs. I'm like, holy shit, I'm having a heart attack. I like literally mm-hmm. went into my car. I put, I had a heart rate strap. I put my heart rate strap on. I'm like, dude, I'm sitting here. My heart rate is 120. I'm like, all right, I texted my wife. I'm like, I don't think I'm having a heart attack, but I might be having a heart Something's attack. Happening. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to the ER. And I was just in there. And I literally, I just couldn't like, Calm down. They like did all this testing, cost a ton of money. Uh, of course. And then they're like, hey, we don't know what's up. They're like, you're fine. They're like, here's some uh some benzos. I'm like, oh sweet. All right, cool. Well, I'm not gonna just take these. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just having a panic attack. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> Wild. And then like a few days later, it just went away. Yeah. It's, well, it. it's it's unfortunate that so many of this so much of this stuff goes as either passed as normal or uh, what a lot of my TBI people have gotten is they, they go see a psychologist. You know, I'm, I'm not against that whatsoever, but the psychologist very, very often, in my opinion, oversteps their bounds to an extent by, by, and gives people some maladaptive beliefs talking. It's all in your head. Like, well, literally, yes. But like, you shouldn't say that to anybody who's experienced physical, physiological reaction, specifically if you haven't researched the condition or injury that they've had, which is very often the case. Yeah. I, just last week, I was on the phone with one of my crime psychologists, um, and she was talking about how they had poor impulse control, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, these things are all absolutely typical of a brain injury, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, so maybe instead of lecturing them, you should, you know, like, come at it from the angle of, hey, I understand it's harder for you, and have that little bit of empathy, which is unfortunately sorely lacking in, in the fitness industry, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but you think in psychiatry, it would not be. Dude, I was even like, uh, I was having like, like PTSD symptoms and I was just told like, oh, you must be, you must be prone to anxiety. I'm like, outside of giving like a presentation, I ne- I'm like the most chill laid back person you're going to meet. I was like, I never get nervous about anything. I never get anxious. Now I walk to my mailbox and I'm like having heart palpitations. You're going to tell me I'm prone to it. I'm like, I had a freaking box fall on my head. I, like, how is this not related? And then yeah. for me, it was like, like, you know, someone will be like, I don't know, someone like standing for the subway turnstile waiting to swipe in. I'm like, this fucking prick will fucking goddamn spirit. I like just spiraling quickly. Whereas like when I got things resolved, I got, for example, I bought a brand new car. First day my uh, now fiance crashed into it. Didn't have a 24 hours first brand new car ever. I just laughed. That's like the difference in like the hot level of hypervigilance versus like me being normal. Normal for me, you know, is like, Oh my God, you're existing near me. I hate you and I want to fight you. To like, <laughs> eh, just a car. I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, 
it's and people don't understand how powerful that is like that's why I, I love the PRI stuff I love anything that's going to give someone their life back to me it's way more important than like getting someone to fucking lose weight is easy getting someone stronger is easy I would say with the caveat getting someone stronger without making them a worse overall athlete is mm. not as easy as people think it is um, but getting someone stronger feeling better reducing all-cause mortality getting them active getting to enjoy exercise those things are not without value, of course, but to me, almost anybody can do those to an extent. But getting someone who's in pain, who's in chronic pain, who can't stand up, who can't breathe, who can't live their life, you know, who's potentially has suicidal thoughts, getting them back to living their life and being happy. And in my opinion, I have resolution for somebody, they have resolution rather, when they forget they were injured in the first place most of the time. Getting someone from like stuck in this pattern of I hate my life and I'm trapped in my body to, oh, oh yeah, I used to be injured. That's fucking cool. Yeah. It becomes their identity, right? Like the longer it happens, it's like everything is about how's your, how's whatever, how's this feeling? How's your knee feeling? How's your back feeling? And then now, you know. What's what's even more scary for me um, from, from an all-cause mortality standpoint, from a social standpoint, is how when someone's in chronic pain, what happens is their, their circle of friends has to shrink and shrink and shrink if they can't be active and go outside and do things. Mm. So all of a sudden, they're literally on their own. Mm. There's no, like nobody else around them except maybe family if they're lucky and maybe not if they're not. And that, that to me is like it's such a fucking shame. We have so many people who are in chronic pain who hate the fucking life. They can't work. They can't do their hobbies. And they're stuck there and there's nobody helping them. And then you have all these fucking assholes and First, first F bomb, one of the first F bombs. Definitely the best. <laughs> All these fucking assholes telling them, don't do that, just lift weights. And they lift weights and they're in more pain. Or again, I shall not drop names in this, but people are like, oh, you can't get out of chronic pain if you're overweight. You need to lose the weight first. I'm like, you dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> I can tell you, you've never worked with anybody who's in chronic pain because when you're in chronic pain, you know what makes you feel better? Eating. You know what doesn't? Being in more pain by moving. Like, it's absolutely asinine to kind of like victim, you know, to like victim blame someone who's in chronic pain because they're overweight. Instead of like, let me address the root cause from a biomechanic standpoint, what you got going on. But then they'll say, well, you know, pain is multifactorial. And of course pain is multifactorial. But, and I've said this before, it's like playing Russian roulette, right? If we want to survive the game, we take as many bullets out of the gun as we can. Of course, genetics is going to play a factor. Of course, social upbringing and social kind of a cultural factor is going to play a factor of course biological factors will play a factor we all we do is we take away what we can that's all i can't change your upbringing like it is what it is can i change your chronic posture your movement patterns can i change your loading patterns can i change tissue lengths can i change osseous position can i change your neurological state no problem easy do those make an effect they do great fantastic I'm not going to claim that I use the magic wand to fix you. You may have fixed yourself or you may have perturbed the pattern enough that you can re-sense what's going on and dismiss the threat. Awesome. And the idea that we can dismiss people in pain because pain is multifactorial is just fucking stupid. It's, it's, like, it's like saying fire is multifactorial. Yeah, of course fucking fire is multifactorial. We, got, we all know from high school, you got a little fire triangle, right? We got fire in the middle, we've got heat source, <laughs> fuel, and oxygen. Like, well, fire, fire is multifactorial, so we can't put out fires. Mm. No, you dumb fuck. You take away whatever you can take away. Fairly <laughs> <Very laughs> obvious, right? 
Yeah, and it also it's like these things don't happen in isolation, right? It's like no. you can still care about right respiration drills you can still care about biomechanics and oh by the way we can still help you lose weight like it doesn't have to be like these mutually exclusive things right it's like they're still it's just knowing how to like pull the dials a little bit and kind of you know being okay with gray do everything together yeah exactly i'm currently working with a powerlifter um who's you know some of the worst extensions i've seen in a long time it's got a really bad little back pain the guy like he like ribbed like a ski ramp you know i mean this guy was stuck in some of the worst extensions i've seen in a long time and doing PRI drills, PRI exercises, and then integrating PRI into his weightlifting program. I didn't change the program. I took what he was already doing and modified each one of them so it'd be supportive of her program instead, and asked him to drop the weight down to like base levels and work his way back up. His chest is much bigger now than it was three months ago. His arms are bigger, they're stronger. The idea that, the idea that biomechanical efficiency will make you small and weak is just hilarious to me. It's also always said by people who are smaller and weaker than I am. <laughs> like they're always like, oh, you can't use those principles to be big and strong. I'm like, I fucking 12 rep a pair of 125 pound dumbbells and hook flying alternating position. Oh yeah, well, you're an outlier. Okay, sure, I've been strong before, but I'm stronger now, I'm in less pain now, I'm more athletic now, and I'm also in my late 30s. I'm stronger, more athletic, and less pain than I was in my mid-20s. There has to be something to that. On top of the fact that, again, anecdotal evidence with hundreds of people that I've worked with. And then you look at, you know, powerlifters and in any group of powerlifters. Like I, I put that post a while back, which was just very fun, about back squat being the most overprescribed exercise in fitness. And people jumped down my throat. Not a single person could actually uh, come up with a cogent argument for it. Not one. And every person that like, was vehemently defending it, the, I, I mean, like half a dozen, you click onto the page within two posts. And the first two posts, every single one of them was my knee pain, back pain, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> like, the problem is, you talked about earlier about people who are in pain making it their identity. People also do the same thing with sports. Like, with sports, with systems, including PRI, by the way, I'm not saying PRI is, is, a, is you know, is not one of those things. People can make anything their identity, and that's fucking dangerous. It's really dangerous. I've said it to Ron before. I love Ron. Ron's a sweet man. PRI is fantastic, in my opinion. If I find something better, I'll do that tomorrow. I haven't found anything significantly better yet, but I'm 100% open to it. No. I, I don't, again, no disrespect that it's not intended that way, and I know anybody who knows me will, will know that, but I have no loyalty to anybody when it comes to this sort of stuff. My loyalty is to the people who I care for, the people who I work with, and to give them the best possible outcomes, whatever the hell they want. That means if PRI gets the job done, great. It means if lifting heavy shit gets the job done, great. So long as I'm not harming them and moving towards that goal, everyone's happy. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. That's the thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are harming people through their exercise programs. Not a lot of harm, not intentional, but it's inarguable. Mm. Well, even if you like move to like. I don't want to use the PRI example because I don't want to like, <laughs> it's just because yeah. you said it, but like, yeah. like it doesn't mean like if you find something quote unquote better, like that stuff is still useful. Oh, it got no, you, right. Yeah. It's your, it's your, it's your, where you are at right now. This has built you to like, right. It's your foundational information. Absolutely. So it's like, even that, like you move on, people get offended. People ask me, I'll, I can use myself as an example. Like, why'd you stop taking PRI courses? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I had a certain experience. 
Um, I'm actually taking one this year, but I, I had a certain experience and it rubbed me the wrong way. And I took a little break. That was it. Like, there's nothing bad against them. It was something yeah. related to a, a particular person who no longer works for them. Um, and then it got like me to this point. <laughs> I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible. Yeah, I, know. There, I have their, I referenced their manuals. I got a stack of them right here all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it is foundational information for me that I still rely yeah. on. So it's nothing bad. It's just like, okay, now I need to have another problem I'm trying to solve. So like, that's I'm trying to, trying to solve it for, like, like you said, for the people I work with, you know, yeah, that's exactly it. That's like, it's the problem is so many fitness professionals want to make it about them. Hey guys, I'm so smart. I'm, I'm so why are you pretending like you came up with this shit? Uh, I, I've got someone, a couple of people in particular in mind, like they pretend like they came up with all this shit. I'm like, all you're doing is poorly plagiarizing. Like, <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's it's inauthentic. It's unethical. That's fucking stupid to be honest because everyone can see through you. Like nobody gives a shit how much you know anyway until they know how much you care, especially in a physical therapy or rehab setting. But not just that, even a training setting. Like, I think we've talked about this before on Kirk. Well, I, like, the reason, for example, that I was very successful as a trainer in commercial gyms was everybody else had this idea that I'm going to take you for your first session, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, I'm going to make you sweat, I'm going to make you sore. Look at the value mm -hmm. proposition there. I can go and take a free class in the same gym five times a day, six times a day, and be sweaty and sore. What's the difference between that and a free session of me if I'm just going to beat the shit out of you? I would spend 45 minutes to 50 minutes of my hour session talking. But more, more specifically, letting them talk, asking a couple of directed questions. If you want to get anybody to work with you on a personal training standpoint, there's three questions you have to ask. It's basically, hey, what's your goal? How long has that been your goal? You think professional direction could help you get there? Great. Done. Fucking easy. I think if you have to ask any more than those, obviously that's, you know, the fucking very quick, like Cliff's Notes version of it. But if you ask those three questions at the correct time, 95% of people with the appropriate resources will probably want to work with you. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Mm. Pretty fucking easy. But how, how do you build up the trust you can get there? You sit there and ask them, what are your goals? What do you want to do? What do you like doing? Like, most people don't like going to the fucking gym. They don't like exercise. They want to get the shit done. They want to get out. They want to feel good. They want to look good naked. They want to play with the kids, maybe do a recreational sport. This idea that we have to get everybody into like lifting heavy and grinding team no days off. Fuck. I want to be team as many days off as possible. <laughs> Army team does the least possible amount of work for the most possible amount of results. I mean that professionally. I mean, when I'm working with clients, I always tell them, this I'm lazy. I would rather see you as little as possible. I want you to be successful, but I also really want them to have ownership and not be reliant on them. And I make that very clear from the start. If we're doing a rehab, if you're doing training, it's a different thing. You can see me two times a week, that's fine. If we're doing a rehab, I really don't want to see you more than once a week, preferably not more than once every two weeks. If you don't do your homework, we're going to have to see you every week. But why do you want to work hard all the time? You don't need to work hard to lift weights to get strong. And I, again, I have people in the industry of mine who always talk about if you're not sore, you're not working hard. It's fucking horseshit. The biggest breakthrough in muscular soreness in training is frequency. If you hit the same, if you bench press every day, you don't get sore from bench pressing. Yeah, talking about people with resources, uh, you're someone who's not active on social media as much, but offline it's like really good. It's going really good. You have clients who are like really resourceful. <laughs> so this is something that people need to learn. Uh, I mean, 
networking is you talked about communication but also networking is so crucial it's i mean i mean you can help i mean i don't want to sound condescending or but no. you can you can help 1000 normal people but your name would not spread like a wildfire amongst people who are like filthy rich you have to like you have to know whom you are helping but who is this that's why i'm cool i only work on referral now like i i also have a rule by the way and i, I don't like using the word you guys know this is not aimed at you but the word mentor has become a little bit of a, almost like a dirty word nowadays I, it's yeah. not aimed at the amp mentorship because one of the only ones I actually do recommend to people um but there's been a large group of people who talk about mentoring people who actually don't have any vested interest in those people's success you know mm. they give them shitty courses and that's pretty much it that's like it's a, it's a shitty course it's not a mentorship you're not you don't really fucking care mm. and but the, the trainers that I used to mentor and I still do the same thing myself have to have at minimum one pro bono client every single week or I would not help them anymore it was like because I'm expensive they're expensive and I work typically with people who have quite a lot of resources so that was my that was my go to of like okay well if we're going to help you you all start to get something back but when it comes to that yeah i don't it comes back to being lazy on core not lazy 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 is a such a negative a word of negative connotation you should be lazy though. you should be lazy and you should be selfish to an extent i don't mean that was a bad thing yeah, by selfish i, I mean you should care about getting what you want from your own life that doesn't mean yes. at the cost of anybody else It just means yeah. you care about what you want. When it comes to being lazy, you can work as hard as you want. But if, if you're working really, really hard and willing to do it for a low amount of money, you'll always work hard and never be comfortable. Get good at what you want to do, so you can charge what you want to live the lifestyle that you want. And yes. that means you got to be better than everybody else. It means you got to work hard. And you know this, Ankur. The, the transformation you in the last two, three years is absolutely insane. Insane the amount of work you put in. Like so proud of you, dude. If if you want, like when I'm working with these people, for example, one of the guys I worked with on court, first session, he was such a hard ass. He was like grilling me, you know, like oh what, like they say you're good at rehab, like tell me what to see, and I was like, okay, uh, right shoulder issues. I'm sure you probably can't get your arm significantly over your head. I was like, we've got the limp there, obviously, so we've got some right knee issues. I'd imagine snoring, probably some dental issues there. You got the veneers on there, open palms, maybe a little, little bit of sleep apnea. um you know it's very very obvious you know what you're looking at and he was like oh shit is it okay well my life goal is to get one pull up i'm like fuck that you'll do 20 in a week in the next year or so he said laughing at me i was like good joking you know you did they say you should under or say you should under promise over deliver he did awaited 20 in the first year after nothing he got his arm above his head for 20 years like When you're working with people like that, you need to be confident. This is mm. not where you can sit there, sit there and, and second guess yourself, because mm. the Sarah principle, someone much stupider will be really confident. And that's the problem with our industry. Stupid yeah. people are really fucking loud and really confident. They're all so loud. The amount of people, for example, have told me I was an idiot for doing things like saying, "Hey, you actually have, you know, longer, weaker hamstrings. You need to shorten them." Everybody knows you need to stretch. They have that going for you. I've done it for five years. In fact, I had, a, I had a, <laughs> a seminar I taught one time, and I said this, and like a bunch of people looked disgusted and really mad, and like you know, we're going to walk out. And I was like, I'm really glad that you're all sitting here pissed off. I was like, going to ask a follow-up question after saying that stretching is probably not the panacea you all think it is. I was like, hands up. I think it was 45, 50 trainers in the room. I was like, hands up. 
who's ever seen someone get significantly more muscularly flexible after puberty. Not a single hammer though. I was like, okay, hands up who currently stretches with their clients. Almost every hand up and up, hands up who's currently rethinking that. They're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, just directed questions, that's all. You know? Yep. Like, how, how do you, like, how do you network with other uh, principles? I mean, your principles of uh, getting to know people like are the same, or how do you know? Okay, this is a resourceful guy. I mean, if he becomes my or she becomes my client, that's going to be like a smooth ride if I can help this person. So, how do you differentiate? Because of course, like VS coaches and clinicians, two two people, one is a millionaire, one is like middle class. It, it's bound like oh, if I help the millionaire, my name is gonna spread amongst his circle. It's okay, bound so to happen. This is probably not a helpful comment at all, but I just try to help everyone that I really can. Everyone, if you help but enough people, any networking strategies that you use? No, I help everyone. That doesn't mean necessarily I'll give someone like an hour of my time every time, mm. but you know, if someone brings something up, I'll say, hey, listen, what are the strategies you currently employ? And it could be a five-minute conversation. What are the strategies you currently employ? I'll tell me that I'm like, remember we said the three questions earlier? Mm. <laughs> what the, what's your goal? How long has that been your goal? Do you think professional help could help you get there? Great, those three questions. Someone comes to yeah, I have a bit of a bit of bad back, bad back pain forever. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, what's your goal? Give me the back pain. I know that. So I'm like, what's your strategies? What have you been doing? How's that been going for you? Do you think a different approach might be beneficial or do you think it's just broken? Genuinely curious. Most people stop and re-examine. They go, I don't know. Oh, shit, I've been doing the same thing for a year. Nothing's better. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, listen, this is kind of what I do. I'm like, if you want to know more better, I'll give you like a, like a TLDR version of what do I do? What would that look like? And they're like, well, you know, how often does you take to feel a difference? And I'm like, I've never had someone come for one session and not feel a difference. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to walk out there full fucking resolution. But I've never, ever had a single person come for a single session and not feel a significant difference including my Parkinson's people, including my TBI people, including my disc herniation people, pelvic floor people, take your pick. Never happened. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, and again, this comes back to our Sarah principle. Be confident. Hmm. There's a lot of stupid motherfuckers out there who are far more confident and louder than you are. So like, if you have the tools to help somebody, in my opinion, if you have the tools to help somebody, you're obligated to help them. That doesn't mean yeah. you're obligated to spend your entire life helping them, but if you have those tools, there are so many people out there who are in chronic pain, who are underperforming, who can't sleep, who are so hypersympathetic all the time, who are just fucking not enjoying life. There's enough to go around. We don't have to be selfish assholes. Like, so I tell people, listen, like if you're I, very simply, if you're not going to work with me, I can refer you to someone great. If you, like if, you know, just in case you think I'm being super salesy, if not going to me, I'll refer you to someone great. No problem. They're probably cheaper than I am, too. And Either take me up or they don't, but very, very, very frequently they do. And after a couple of referrals, people tend to refer you to people who are financially able. Hmm. And again, it comes back to word of mouth. I haven't had somebody question my prices in like four or five years. And every time my prices go up, people just go, okay. Because the value, it's a value proposition. Like you can go to, you can go to like a, you know, a physical therapy mill for the entire year that feels slightly better if and pay more than you will to see someone like me, someone like you, someone like Sean for three sessions. 
and you waste a lot more fucking time and get a lot less results depending on the injury of course like i don't you come to me with an acute injury i'm like no you're gonna go, you're gonna go through normal physical, physical therapy training it's not me acute injury tissue tear like broken bone i'm out come back to me post post acute rehab that is absolutely utterly outside my realm chronic issues i can probably help to, to what you said too with uh, just like genuinely helping people like yeah. I used to get like just it, it goes against my nature like I'm super introverted so like meeting other business owners and trying to partner with them like I wanted to like shoot myself in the, in the face yeah, I, um, <laughs> I feel so fake doing that yeah so but but I changed like my strategy doing it and I just was like hey man you want to like like you seem like someone like I would I'd be cool to work with. You want to just like I'll buy you like a buy you lunch or buy you like coffee and we'll just go and like talk. And there's like just learn about them essentially. It's just like you're asking them questions, it's all about them. And they're like, you know what? This dude, Sean, didn't even try to like sell me on anything. He didn't ask mm -hmm. me for patience. He's just a cool dude. And then here, here's a here's a patient. Here's another patient, you know, like that kind of thing. Yep. I'm like, I didn't do anything weird. I'm just like it was a, weird for me because it's against my nature, but like just having like an open general conversation, I'm like, oh, wow, that was a lot easier than I was making it. I was just like, you know, over-intellectualizing. Over <laughs> that, that was literally it. I had saw they gone to a couple of the courses that I, that I had gone to. I was like, hey, you want to catch, catch lunch at some point? For, for me, it's like, it's as much as I'm trying to qualify whether or not I can send someone to you as well, you know? <laughs> like, because I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> but... There's a couple of fucking cowboys out there who've taken a lot of the courses and obviously <laughs> haven't understood any of it. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, I, I view my referral system like I can never be wrong if I refer someone. Like, I cannot refer you refer someone to anybody unless I personally know them well taken care of, because that's a poor reflection on me. Especially because they only work via referrals. I'm like, that's dangerous. Like, I will to the point where. Like I'd sent someone to an optometrist and she had pawned them off on one of her like colleagues and they did not, they needed prism glasses and they did not get the appropriate prism glasses. So the next time I went with them and then I taught, I taught them how to do some of the tests so they could verify the prism glasses work correctly. And now we have a much better working relationship. It's one of the things where I'm like, okay, there's a fuck up. I'm going to, I'm like, I feel bad because I referred to this person and then they fucked up. But to be fair, they made it right after the fact. And now we have a very good working relationship. But I think I think networks are important. Like if you're going to be working with TBI people, especially, you're very often going to need some sort of neurooptometrist, someone who does stand-up optometry uh, particularly, which is so hard to find nowadays. Uh, you might need a neurological dentist. I suspect in rare cases, you might even need an audiologist. But see where we go from there. I, I see a lot of people going far too quickly to like palate expansion. And... Mm appliances i talked about that quite a length quite a bit of length people always want to jump to orthosis whether it's the glasses the the teeth or the feet I'm like have you tried getting someone neutral first like yeah otherwise the orthosis is going to have to change anyway and those shits are expensive like three or four thousand dollars for a good dental orthotic yeah and it's no joke yeah it's no joke and then with the glasses same thing it's a couple of grand and you're also waiting months for an appointment so if we get you there, and that pushes you towards systematic neutrality, you know, the ability to get to all your ranges of motion comfortably, but something is still off, then those glasses are going to have to change again. It's going to cost you a lot more money. And also, we're talking about buy-in for a rehab client or a performance client. The more times I'm wrong, the less you're going to go with what I'm saying.
especially when it costs you a couple of grand each time I'm wrong. I better be sure that you need the orthosis before I put you on it. Sell my money. The ship pisses me off. <laughs> have you have you have you seen like a lot of people like that you had to refer for like a, a mouth guard like an appliance um i think every tbi person i had so far had an appliance yeah um, not some of them had prison glasses but not i didn't need prison glasses yeah i have um, I mean, yeah some have, yeah mm -hmm. some yeah. do I, I was lucky enough to not need them but i also have a very strange dental presentation like i have uh imp like my dental situation like disastrous after my concussions I lost a bunch of teeth here, a bunch of teeth here, so I implants, implants. I also had a second, this is unrelated to that, I had a second row of teeth, which had to get removed, and I have teeth after my wisdom teeth. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of a fucking dental mutant as it is. So I'm so, not a good example. <laughs> there, there's someone out there running around with no teeth because you got them all, man. <laughs> I think you just ate my twin. But I remember you telling me if you ever lose a tooth, like get the implants done because don't keep that space open. Oh yeah, no. When you lose a tooth, um, your chance of losing the adjacent teeth skyrockets over the next couple of years. Yeah. And yeah, because what happens is the actual jawbone itself starts to shrink because it's not bearing weight anymore. Like like any any tissue. I can the body, see that. Yeah. If it's not under load, it will likely atrophy. Bone is mm. bone is no different. If you have someone and they lay in a wheelchair for sixty years, the bone density is not going to be very high. It's the same mm. thing for your teeth. Your teeth are weight-bearing instruments. If they're not mm. compressing, con compressing, decompressing, compressing, decompressing, they will atrophy. And then you will need uh, a, a bone graft, which I needed for my jaw. Mm. And which apparently, because I have a drug tolerance of a mule, <laughs> halfway through that, the anesthetic wore off entirely. That was fun. Nice. I have that issue too with dental work, the, the anesthesia, like the local stuff. Yeah, they're just so like... Yeah, <laughs> just like numb. The, you'll be numb for three hours. I'm like, uh. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does it feel when they uh, like locally? Your bone graft on a scale. Uh, of one no, 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 no. I mean, when they give their anesthesia. Oh, like Novocaine? Yeah, like they make this area like senseless. Well, like it depends. If they're a nice dentist, they'll use a small bit of topical numbing cream and then inject, especially on the roof of the mouth. If they're not, they'll just inject right into the roof of the mouth and the cheek and stuff. And then it's like your arm fell asleep, but in your face. You're like slobbering all over the place. Yeah. They're like, rinse your mouth and like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so what you said about the, the Sarah principle, it makes you think of, uh, I was in a, like a, my, my business coach has like a, like a large get together. And uh, one of the speakers there was basically, he was like, there's this guy in my town. The guy's an idiot. He doesn't know he's an idiot. And he just tells people they need six months of chiropractic care. And he has yeah. a million dollar practice. He's like, F this guy. If this guy can do it, he's like, I'm getting in my own way. Right. Like That's I can good. do this. <laughs> yeah. And he just like, he has like a, your typical, like, you know, come in and get adjusted kind of out practice. Yep. It works for him, man. And he's, you know, like, why can't I do it? And he just did it. And he's like taking in-network insurance. It's like a mill, but yep. he, he got, he, he's doing it. That's it. Listen. I'm like, the, the sad truth of it, to an extent, ethics will hamstring you financially, huh. right? Unless in, in you're exceptional. Huh. Because you're, if you're a bit of a piece of shit scumbag, it's very easy to sell stuff to anybody. But if you're ethical, you have to be exceptional. But yeah. the problem with most ethical people is they also don't want to sell people. Hmm. Yeah. Like, anyone who's intelligent, ethical, and, and empathetic typically has an aversion to sales. And I know I did for the longest time. I'm empathetic. I'm not sure if I'm intelligent. 
<laughs> I added a version that fails for the longest time until I realized, wait a second, I'm charging the same as these other guys who, who literally are just fucking morons who are D1 athletes. This is not specifically against D1 athletes, but some big fucking juiced out D1 athlete who's in their mid-30s now who's charging 250 bucks an hour uh, because this 50-year-old housewife wants to be trained by somebody who really wants to fuck. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty confident I can deliver better results than this guy. Like, that's like a third of the new, the, the new york personal training scene it's like big good looking dudes who are juiced out of their mind uh who are selling training for 200 dollars an hour despite the fact they're probably not even certified to fucking muscle which is a joke in and of itself <laughs> like when you're kind of competing against that you have to for a moment go hold on a second hold yeah. on a second yeah I, I i'm in that mindset sean is also probably in that mindset that like people are doing random shit so <laughs> with whatever i know i will do it it's like uh, a lot of people uh, ask me mail me that uh uncle uh, you're doing pri stuff uh this breathing stuff in india so uh do i need uh, like any mouth guard or orthodontics or i i need to go to an eye specialist or something i say i don't know i mean i will handle ribcage pelvis cervical spine that's it beyond that is not my expertise yet but a lot of it can be sorted out uh, by that and they're like no but i think it's my cranial issue oh my god people who sell the worst and i understand oh, yeah. why, because like everyone wants to think they're a special unique unicorn yeah, 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 special yeah. Unique unicorns typically aren't special unique unicorns <laughs> like i deal with some of the more complex cases a couple at least like i've gone through prime like, you know, I've been there and Ron's like, oh, you're never going to see this again. And even they, for the most part, bar one that I can think of, are not special unique cases. They're just slightly different applications of the same principles. Mm. Like, and so those things where people very, very often expect to see a certain pattern. And that is, I'm trying to say this in a respectful way because it's meant that way. Here I obviously talked about the common patterns, but the further you go into it, they'll also say, but those aren't the only ones. Trust your testing. Because the amount of people I see who look at someone and say, oh, they're this pattern. I'm like, you test them? No, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> that simple. <laughs> like, just shut the fuck up. If you haven't tested them, shut your fucking mouth. You don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I, I do get irritated because when they say, oh, no, but I watched this video and I think I am a yeah. cranial client and I this and that. In my mind, then, then fucking go to that guy. He's in US. Yep. Let him charge 250, 300. Don't come to me. <laughs> like, if you want to work with me, work like I do. Even with my cervical people, with my cranial people, with my Parkinson's people, with my TBI people, we still have to manage a rib cage. You still have to manage a pelvis. You still have to manage your foot. You still have to establish these things so when they get, if they need the orthosis, when they get the orthosis, whether it's in the foot, in the mouth, on the eyes, their system can accept that orthosis. Hmm. If some of the strength components aren't there, they will not be able to accept that orthosis. It'll make them worse. So you can spend four grand on a piece of, a piece of equipment that's not going to help you whatsoever. The work still has to be done. Nobody can motor learn for you. There's not a person in the world. That's just, it is what it is. If you don't want to do the fucking work, great. Stay where you are. I can't help you. I tell people that in our first sessions, I'm like, listen, if you don't do your homework, this is going to waste both of our time. Someone comes to me and they say, oh, I didn't do my homework, but can I see you next week? And I'm like, you can, but we're going to, 
You should be doing the same thing in your class. You, you can, you can. I earn money, yes, for sure. You can, yeah. you can come every day. Exact same thing again. You can pay me to do the same thing again. That's fine. I can pretend like it's something different that we need to do. We can do something very slightly different. But realistically speaking, if you don't do your fucking homework, it's wasting both of our times. It's the, the problem that a lot of people who criticize this sort of work have is they don't understand how motor learning happens in the first place. They think, oh, I got you acutely different. Oh, your table tests are passing acutely. You're fixed now. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> like when you come in and you're passing all your table tests, now we have some resolution. And you're, you're, you're asymptomatic. Now we have resolution. When you can not talk to me for a month and you still pass all your table tests and or have the ability that when you get a bit jacked up, you can take yourself right back out of it. Now you have resolution. Then you still do a stiff leg deadlift and then get into pa pass and action drop tests. It's not impressive. Getting to wake up and pass an action drop test or go for a run, be able to actively and actively pull themselves across the midline and compress a pelvis. That's impressive. Passing a fucking table test is, oh, cool, you've actually changed something. I get most people to pass a table test for just wiggling my eyes above the fucking face. Like, <laughs> lowering the lights and giving them a big hug. Here, here's a joint. Treatment. <laughs> we all know this too. Like, if you've ever lived in a big city, especially a college town, you'll see drunk chicks peeing in the street, right? <laughs> you've all seen squatting down behind a car taking piss, okay? Or a dude who's hammered and just kind of hanging out in a deep squat. Did they suddenly and magically overcome mechanical limitation? Or was it <laughs> a, a neurological limitation that the drugs, alcohol or otherwise? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I think we know the answer. They didn't suddenly mechanically get super long. There's like, oh, I can squat. <laughs> cool. And again, on that note, why the fuck are we bracing everybody in, in lifts? Like, there's just no, like, you want to make someone as unathletic as possible? Brace for squats. Big stiffness. That's what we want to happen. As stiff as possible all the time. No yielding. Mm. Fucking idiots. We <laughs> <laughs> uh... have people who love lifting weights and never played sports. Yeah. Like, you need stiffness. I'm like, yeah. You need it, then you don't need it. Right after that. <laughs> Can you right, I think I shared, I, I, I think Roy shared a video with you. Like I, that was boxing, that was boxing or UFC match. There was a guy who's like all pumped up. Yeah, yeah. And there's a guy. Fights Fedor Emilianko's brother and gets a shit kick down. Like, the dude looks like Wurzel Gummidge, if you guys remember that guy. He's like strong hair, snuffy. He looks from all over. He's kind of fat. Looks disinterested. Uh, comes in and knocks the shit out of the guy. Encore. I used to fight open weight categories at 135, 145, bare knuckle, and knock the fuck out of people who are 200 pounds. <laughs> like, I was like, this big stiff motherfucker is going to sleep every time. It's simple. No, no the amount of people, by the way, who, who yelled at me, I'm like, you don't need to brace. And people are like, well, every fighter needs a nose, needs a brace. I'm like, did you used to fight competitively? Like, no. I did. <laughs> oh, well, sh shut up. <laughs> A pitcher to brace when he throws the ball, see how fast he pitches. Ask an NBA <laughs> or a basketball player to dunk while they brace. Ask <laughs> a sprinter to sprint while they brace. <laughs> what you said about uh, the environment and like the drunk people peeing on the ground. Um, uh, before I started AMP, I worked at a multidisciplinary clinic very like medical sterile place yeah. like it looked like a hospital when you walk in um 
people were coming there. It was just like a shitty like environment. It was so hard to work with people out in like the open treatment area because oh, of this. Yeah. yeah, I would have to take, I would literally take them into the private treatment rooms yep. and like, cause then I could control the lighting, all that kind of stuff. Yep. I'm like, all right, now we can get like what we want here. Um, the utility of it there and that, that population, I don't know if it was that great, but it was better than being out in the open, you know, then they would just go to like the, the dude next to me and like get adjusted and be told never to spend their spine again. But um, <laughs> yeah, the environment, the environment is bad. Having a yeah. spine is bad. <laughs> don't move. Okay. We're good. <laughs> um, but we, that's what we would do. We, like Monica and I, like my PT, we would take them to like the private treatment room. We would just close the curtain. The light was dim in there. Yep. And like, we could do right. stuff. Not I always say to people, even the tone of my voice changes when I'm working the rehab client. Mm. The tone, the cadence, everything. I'm like, hey, what we're going to do today is it's going to be nice and gentle. It's going to be some passive testing. We're just going to see what we got. Especially working on a TBI. But that just reminded me, Sean, of like the conversation I had with the physical therapist recently. He's New York based. And he told me that he hates PRI and hates all that sort of stuff. He hates all Bill Hartman stuff too because we're all, we all hate extension. And they all say, don't get into extension. I'm like, and he's, I was like, what? who said that? <laughs> we didn't say that. At this time. And that's what he said. I'm like, it's funny because I was actually in that course and it's nowhere in the manual. It's, it was never said in the course because Ron taught that course. I know like I was there for that one. Like he said, it's not good to be stuck in extension. It's not good to be stuck in flexion either. You just, you'll never see someone who's stuck in flexion probably. You might, but I've never seen it. Mm. I think it's very, it's very unlikely you'll see someone who's systemically stuck in flexion. But maybe on one side, but not on both. But yeah, like, it's fucking <laughs> common, common brain. misconception, man. <laughs> smooth brains. <laughs> yeah, a lot of misconception. Like even but it's the, like... the implementation of the drills as well. Like very, oh. very, very muscular. I've seen so... one more fucking person. Yeah, I've seen one person putting their heels up on a fucking bench to do ninety ninety, and then I just I'm like, great, you've completely misunderstood the idea of the of the, the whole exercise. Yeah, but it is it is a problem though because it misrepresents everything. Yeah, everything, <laughs> right? That's like the it's this industry though. It's monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, it's a big problem. Like, we literally take entire words, phrases, and everything else, and repurpose them, and then pretend like that was the original phrase because they don't understand. You literally hear someone say something. Oh, like the word functional is a perfect example, right? At one point, it actually kind of sort of meant something for like a hot minute. There was like, okay, this is directly related to your sport. And it's probably not something that I have a gen pop do. It's a functional movement. Then everyone just like jumped on that shit. And now it's fucking absolutely meaningless. Yeah. It's like holistic in the medical field. Yep. Yeah. Holistic. So, yeah, holistic. Now it means you probably like fucking jerk off with crystals in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's good. Good. It's good for <laughs> like, holistic functional. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm a functional holistic practitioner. Ah, cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like, also, side, my side hustle is fully <laughs> No, it's yeah. true though, right? Like, if you're not clear on like definitions, like adaptation. Okay, cool. Like yeah. the body adapts. How are we defining like what, what we even mean? Strength. How do we define what strength is? Like all those things. Yeah. Like it's super. It, it matters, right? Same with like I'm stuck in extension. Like people hear that and they're like, PRI people hate extension. It's like I've never heard someone in a course say that um no, but like I there's a, it's a disconnect car. i don't be stuck in my fucking car being in my car <laughs> is not bad but if i'm fucking stuck in my car i'm not happy to be there yeah same idea but <laughs> but, but you know the problem as well is like it's a worldwide 
but also a very specifically American problem more than, more than anywhere else, is that like the level of nuance that's capable of discussion here is fucking zero. People here can only, like, they only do the whole black and white thing. People it's like, it runs almost parallel to the political system. It's like, yeah. A plus B equals <laughs> fucking X. It's insane. <laughs> like, I was saying, you know, for example, I work, I work at a couple of Parkinson's people, I was saying, we don't else work. And then with Parkinson's people, they don't have tremors at night, they don't have tremors after exercise. Actually, so you're saying you cure Parkinson's, Mike. <laughs> I am absolutely not fucking saying that. <laughs> I'm saying we have managed the symptoms that the client perceived by these exercises and improved their mobility and their, their ambulatory activity and their ability to enjoy fucking life with less pain. That's all right. I'm saying. Like it doesn't have to be this all or nothing phenomena. <laughs> oh, you cured Parkinson's. Oh, cancer is next. <laughs> cancer is next. <laughs> oh, we are working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> that's, a, that's level four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't take that course yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> a lot of misconceptions. Yeah, I mean, in the uh, implementation of the exercises, it's only when you dive so deep that you understand what you're seeing is also so bad. Like the big names, uh, so-called big names on social media, messing it up. <laughs> I don't yeah, agree with a lot of stuff that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people who are like perceived experts by, by the fitness community, they don't do good implementation of this stuff at all. And again, I'm not trying to criticize. You can get away with the, not working with people who are in chronic pain. You can get away with a lot of stuff. But if you are working someone with suppose like insane SI joint issues, you have yeah. to be very careful. Like what exactly. you do, you have to know. <laughs> if you're working with a bunch of fucking animals, a bunch of big, tough, strong athletes, right? For the most part, athletes self-selected people who are physiologically, neurologically resilient. And psychologically, yeah, the pain but threshold is really high. Like LeBron James is a perfect example. You see his training. That man has no right to no right to not be crippled in pain, right? He's training like <laughs> a fucking moron. His trainer <laughs> is going to be on meth at all times. This is the how to contact these yeah. people and let them know, like we know much better than this shit and that you're paying so much money to. They, they had a seminar in New York City at one point, and one of the guys asked, like, how do you, like, what's your approach to inherent asymmetries in the body? And the response, allegedly, I wasn't there, was, I've never seen asymmetry in a body. And I, I was like, I'm so glad that I wasn't there, but. The, the guys I work with offered to pay for me to go to the next set, seminar just to rip them. And I'm like, no, because they're going to kick me out in two minutes. They're going to rip one you asshole. Like, but that's not fair to everybody else who's there as well. I'm like, yeah, no. Like, athletes are resilient. So if you're working big, strong athletes who've self-selected into big, big, strong athletes, <laughs> yeah, you can get away with doing dumb shit forever because life isn't fair. Not, <laughs> we're not physiologically the same. They got the gift. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I include myself to an extent in that. Like, obviously, I have a lot of traumatic injuries, but like, um, after five TBIs, my testosterone levels are 13 to 1400. So, like, 140, 150% of the cap of the range. Like, that's not fair. I'm not sad about it. That's not fucking fair. <laughs> like, both my parents were competitive athletes. Uh, I didn't start sports till 17 and made five varsity teams my first year in college. Yeah, life's not fucking fair. It sucks. Like, you should have got brains, but I got balls. <laughs> so, like, the idea that, that some people have the survivorship bias of, well, that guy does this and he's not in pain. I'm like, and how many people fell along the way to try to get him there? It's like the, 
you know, you look at the old East German and Russian and even Chinese, their like, gymnastic systems and the weightlifting systems. Everyone says, oh my God, look, this is what they do. Yeah, the guys who are on the platform, first of all, using drugs, that, that discounts almost everything else. Second of all, they literally take enough people, you know, hundreds of people, and throw this fucking vicious program at them and see who survives. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So many people end up broken along the way. It's like a famous thing in the East German like weightlifting block. And uh, some of the Eastern European ones. They yeah, throw exactly. these vicious programs at them to see who can survive the program. And then mm. you're okay, well, those are probably the national athletes, so let's use them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want medals. Training is not the ideal way for fucking anybody to train unless you're juiced to your gills. Mm. And even then, probably not ideal. You just might survive it. You know what I mean? This fucking self-selection and survivorship bias is fucking insane in fitness. Well, I do it, so nothing can possibly be wrong with it. But yeah, yeah bro. But for how long? But for how long? Week. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and like, what do your your clients care about, right? They don't give a crap, right? They. You know how many client times my client has said, "You know what I really want? A five plate one RM." <laughs> fucking never, never, <laughs> never. They like to see progress. They don't want to get hurt. And they want to spend less time in the gym. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Kind of look good naked. And for some people, depending on their age, can it be more fertile if trying to have kids? Like, let's be honest, like looks almost always supersede health until you're like 30s and 40s. <laughs> and then mm. all of a sudden, like, shit, I might die soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, say, <laughs> I switched to the health end of the spectrum. I've given up on the looks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, but one of my questions to you is like, how do you deal with, uh, of course, you're a personal trainer, like, how do you deal with uh, obese or overweight clients? Like, do you tell them uh, honest communication that, okay, uh, because of course, like, if you're carrying a lot of adipose tissues, like, we are carrying that amount of extra weight and producing force into the ground, and the belly, belly weight is also going to keep everything forward and downward, but like, you address everything like biomechanics and the aerobic fitness and everything together. It's a good but, question, Uncle. I know, I know like, I go with it. Like, how do I communicate to them? It depends yes. on the person. And like, honestly, if the person would have been like lean and thin with the same symptoms, it would have been a much smoother ride compared to. Oh, for sure. For sure. But again, it is what it is. So it depends on the person. Some people I can, like, some people I can look at them and say, hey, listen, in the ideal world for long term cessation, weight reduction is going to help a lot. Other people, I can't say that to you because they'll never come back. Um, I have a duty to help them as much as I possibly can. So maybe I get them to cessation. And then I, then we talk about this. Or and here's, the, here's the thing we talk about anybody who's overweight and in chronic pain. We kind of touched on it earlier. It's kind of a chicken and egg situation for a lot of people. Why are you overweight? Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe I don't have to say anything at all. It just it genuinely depends. On the person. You're fucking 500 pounds. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You got to go for a waddle or whatever, like get in the fucking pool, walk around. But obviously, I'm going to be more sensitive. I'm just being an asshole. Um, but if someone's like, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight, I'm like, hey, this is great. Now you can get back. I'll, I might say, now you can get back to your activities. Is there anything particular you want to do? And then just setting a goal for them to return to an activity that they enjoy, that's all I need to do. Because mm. once they start that extra movement, almost always the weight's going to steadily come off. And if it doesn't, yes. it's like, if it doesn't, I'll touch base and be like, hey, how's everything going? Are you happy with your, your, you know, your, your progress at your activity? It doesn't matter what it is. It could be tennis. It could be walking, hiking, gardening. I don't give a fuck what it is. As long as they're happy. After like, yeah, it's going great. I'm like, cool. As much of the weight. I'll say as much of the weight come off because we'll have touch base on it briefly. No? Okay, great. Let's talk nutrition. 
Let's talk thermodynamics. Let's talk micros. If they don't want to do it, wait, they don't want to do it. I don't care. It's not me. If they want to do it, I'm all about that. But I, I can't force change in anybody. And very, very often, people don't want to talk to me about that stuff if they talk about the pain. It just depends on the person. Yeah, like, because sometimes when you are known as, the, okay, this guy does the PRI stuff, this guy does the Bill Hartman stuff, the image that comes yeah. into their mind through word of mouth or, oh, like one session, two session, three session, pain-free. And then, but then, oh, Okay, but the starting point of the client was like he was pretty lean and thin, pretty active. Starting yeah. point was different. You're like you're sedentary, never like couch potato okay. for three decades of your life and overweight. Like don't. It's not fair, Ankur. Some some I've had some people I only see them once, never need to see them again. Like I can count them on one hand, hmm. but they do exist. They just they can motor learn like nobody's business. They're not stressed. They've probably never been punched in the face. They get a lot of sleep. They're genetically resilient. Mm, yeah. Other people, however, are like absolute clusterfucks when it comes to motor learning. I had oh, one yeah, guy yeah. in person took us three full sessions to teach me how to tuck a pelvis. I've never <laughs> seen the worst. Yeah, that, no. That, that's a relief for me to know this. No, no. Listen, I'm not saying don't take accountability for... If everybody is like that, it's a fucking problem. But yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you're going to encounter some people who just can't move. They've never moved their body. They've never tried yeah, to yeah. move their body. They don't know where they are in space. And yet, yeah. those people are going to take time and they're going to take a lot longer. So when someone asks me for an estimate of how long it's going to take, I say, listen, how long is a piece of string? How many times have I asked you that? Yeah. You ask me a question and I say, Ankur, how long is a piece of string? It depends. <laughs> it just depends. <laughs> after, after the first session, I can probably give them a more accurate estimation. I can say, listen, based on what I saw today, if you do the homework, I reckon six, seven, eight sessions, depending on depending on how well you do the homework. Other people are going to say, oh, we're going to see this twice or six months. I don't like having to say that, but I'd rather be honest. Hmm. <laughs> because uh, like the clients kind of clients I have the like fitness is a luxury for them they just yeah. want to get day-to-day -day life out of uh, pain that's similar to the market in Ireland when I left fitness is considered a luxury versus here oh, yeah. like much less so like you like you ask them okay your heel is on the ground and just like it's melting and grounding and everything else is getting relaxed like above it and like, okay, somehow they kind of feel it. Fine. Now, your sacral base, it also melts on the ground. You do nothing and it melts on the ground. And like, oh, two things at a time. Oh my God. And like, yep. oh, I have, I have not even come to reach. I have not come on, come to alternating reciprocal. Do, do you remember, Ankur, when we did, when we did the session? I went, I cued you through how I would do like a hook line position, for example. I want to cue you through one thing at a time. We took yeah. 30 minutes to do hook line position. Because I was kicking through like you're a beginner. I'm like, oh, we're going to do this super slow. Because... Listen, if somebody picks everything up super quick, oh, we're going to speed through it pretty well. We're going to do yeah. it in minutes and then we're going to add things. If somebody is struggling to put pieces together, speeding up is of no benefit to anybody. They're going to feel yeah. like a failure. They're not going to get the, the results from the position. They're not going to be able to motor learn because they're just going to be anxious. Yeah. And like, I always think like open-ended questions are nice there as well. Instead of do you feel healed? What do you feel? What do you feel in a form? Because the very, in my opinion, the very practice of paying attention to external sensation 
for excellent input is something that these people who are bad at movement need to do. They need to literally <clears throat> learn how to sense their body and how to name it. Yeah. Because once they name it, they can then discern between different different inputs from external external uh, sources. Kinesthetic and uh, like spatial awareness, I think that is also a type of intelligence. Yes. Yep. Like not so, not everyone is in, uh, some like some people can like ten cues at a time and they're like yeah cool yeah bring it on. Yeah, uh, for me typically two to three cues tops, but the first couple of times I work with somebody getting bored. I don't give it. And somebody goes, "Well, they're not doing it perfectly." Of course, not doing it fucking perfect. Not yeah. going to do it perfectly today. Full stop. But I'm looking for yeah. what's the minimal possible input we can get yeah. result with. Yes. So I can get a perception change, a sensation change. Does that make sense? Hmm. And that's going to be again wildly different. What? Uh, yeah, and like a lot of people who like mountain of a ribcage, they cannot get get the ribcage moving. Then slowly it comes down, but then when they inhale it again goes up like it's a continuous struggle that goes on again that's the asking questions i had one guy i love him he's so sweet i used to work with his whole family but say hey what do you feel you know, i don't know i don't know yeah. great. i don't know <laughs> great <laughs> I like so we're gonna do it again what do you feel i don't know like I don't know. Yeah, yeah like cool like i'm gonna i'm gonna like make it a little bit less of an open-ended question hey do you feel any muscles? I don't know. Do you feel any pressure difference anywhere in your body, whether it's internally, do you feel bigger or smaller? Do you feel like more, more part of a foot touching the floor? Do you feel less tightness, more tightness? I need you to sense it. I don't know. Like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to put my hands on you and give you a, a reference here. I'm going to put my hands on your ribs. Exhale. Okay, inhale, where'd they go? They went up on the inhale, great. Exhale, where'd they go? They went down, great, keep them there. Mm, oh, yeah, sensitive awareness. For some people, they need that external reference. However, yeah. I also say, when you give someone an external reference, particularly like uh, by palpating them or touching them, when they don't fucking need it, then you're hmm. also robbing them of the, the possibility of self-sensing. And in my opinion, that's also something that, I see a lot of people do that, especially in his, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and they're poking the person. I'm like, keep the fuck around. If it's the first time doing the exercise, you shouldn't be video it, number one. And if it's not, you shouldn't be touching them. Uh, my, again, I'm not saying there's never a call to touch somebody, but the more you touch somebody, the less you're giving them the ability to self-sense. In my opinion, it should be a, a, like, you know, something you revert back to when necessary, but then get rid of it as soon as possible. And that also mm -hmm. goes to them touching themselves. Like, so, that's when just constantly touching the ribs. Like, I'm just asking, do you need to do that anymore? Oh, maybe not. Why? Don't. Because when you walk, you get up and walk or do your sport, you're not going to go. <laughs> if you're going to walk around like this, you're going to look very strange. I need you to set sense. And they, they still start laughing, of course, as well. But good. When they laugh, they won't forget. Hmm. Hmm. So, a long rant again. Like, the mountain ribcage guys are like the hardest and longest. Right, you know my trick for that as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was telling like exhale fully and then say yes. Like yes. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and I talk when you fully exhale. So okay. yeah, yeah. they always laugh, but it gets rid of that argument because what I found initially is like tell someone to fully exhale, and they're like, I fully exhale, but I can't possibly get any more air out. <laughs> 
like, yeah, but you can, you can talk. No, it's for eggtails. Once you play a trick on them once, that's it. You never have to have the argument. It just smooths right over. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a sneaky one, but it, it works. And again, also, especially it's going to be one of the first things you do. Puts them at ease. They start laughing. They're having a good time. Yeah. It's not stressful now. Now we're just now we're just shooting the shit and doing an exercise instead of like therapy. Hmm. So what you said before with uh, when you guys were talking about working with people who are, are overweight, uh, we used to have, and this is to your to your point, Rua, is uh, we had this this PT uh, who I used to work with. He didn't. He wasn't there much much longer after I started at the same clinic, actually, the multidisciplinary place. Anytime an overweight person with knee pain would come in, first session would talk about if you lose 10 pounds of weight, this is what it'll do to your knee pain, like all like sciencey and like completely disconnected from like the human side of things. And then what it, it just makes the person feel like crap. And then they're like, either don't come back or they're just like, well, you know, and then it goes to like, I've been trying, it goes on this real negative path very quickly. And yep. I'm just like, oh my God, this is not good. <laughs> like just let them send the heels and come back a bit. That's it. Well, well, thing is, <laughs> you can be overweight as hell and still not have knee pain. There's a lot yeah. of people walk around three, four, yeah. 500 pounds. You don't have knee pain. Their knees don't so, hurt. That's it. Again, we, we talked about life not being fair, but at the same time, when the mechanics are there, the body is pretty resilient. And tissues hypertrophy on the load pretty well, including bone, like including ligaments, including tendons. Nobody gets four or 500 pounds overnight. Obviously, there is a, a structural limit, but the more adequately we disperse the force, the less likely we are to get hurt. Hmm. It's inarguable, although people will argue that point. I know someone will be like, well, Don, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, the more adequately supported we are, the less likely we are to have pain. Just, it's literally that simple to an extent. I think it's a fair statement. <laughs> I know it does seem that way, but you know, there's always something you'll take exception to it. Yeah, like what you were saying before, like two things can't be true, right? It's like yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> awesome. Of course, awesome. That's also to Anchor's point. You can have the guy who's walking around with shitty moving pattern who's super thin. Yeah. Well, Life's not fair. Yeah, like super thin guys who are in extreme pain. <laughs> Can be anything. I think Amazon. Stupid Black Friday deals. <laughs> get us all. That's correct. Uh, I do. What time is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have to get going. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Like, what did you order from Amazon? Um, Christmas gifts, mostly. But that's saying in case somebody got that's a lot of shit in. Uh, uh, last, uh, I think uh, last night, I like I told you, I had a session with this someone from yoga yoga teacher from california uh, mm -hmm. 55 year old and three decades of belly breathing and uh, like stretching to her limits she had to pay a price and then i i did two 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 sets probably of the supine hook line but most of it was like talking she talked about like functional patterns and talked about what he he Idago portal or something, something like that. I think Ida portal. Ida portal. Yeah. portal and all the stuff. And everyone's like, oh, you have to create vacuum and forcibly exhale, breathe, create pressure. And why? Like 25,000 reps of something. Why would you force things? And she was like, yeah, this this is a very, uh, this is a great model that you're following. And then from one session, she paid four sessions up front. She was like, yeah, this is something that I support. Like they asked me to force 
this way they asked me to hang they asked me to like do something <laughs> squat this many reps a day or squat uh, sit down for this many uh, minutes a day and you're you'll be done like why the problem with all those approaches in my opinion apart from the fact that some are just fucking strictly wrong right some are just going to encourage massive extension that yeah. aside Anytime, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, I can get someone to do a stiff leg deadlift and pass a table test, no problem. Yeah, that's all well and good. The motor learning doesn't happen when you're stressed. It happens the same way all learning happens, via graded exposure, via reduction in novelty. Yeah. Like, if I ask you to learn, if I ask you to, to learn how to juggle, I'm going to give you a, <laughs> a bunch of these pins, you're going to be juggling, you're having a great time, then I keep kicking in the shin the entire time. You think you're going to be good at juggling anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, except fucking in a goddamn shame. That's the same thing with me. Like, the amount of times I've seen dumbasses, uh, again, I have a particular group in mind, they'll have someone on a table to go, I had them do a stiff leg deadlift instead of stupid breathing drills, and they'll have them try and do a max stiff leg deadlift, and all of a sudden their form goes back to what it was. Like, are you fucking stupid? Well, I know the answer to the question. Yes, you are. Because there's no possible way you're going to motor learn a new skill. And then intuitively and automatically use that at a maximal level. Because for something to be adopted as a chronic pattern, it's going to be sensed as safe, sensed as efficient, and not novel. Hmm. So if you think you can do that in 10 seconds, congratulations. You're either way smarter than I am or way stupider than I am. <laughs> either way, you're way more confident than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. Nice chatting with you. That was great. That was great. Like, the mentees are going to enjoy this call a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even it will come out on the podcast, yeah, for people outside. It, like, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of uh, shitty stuff going on in the industry. <laughs> yeah, there is. Like, at the end of the day, we're all supposed to be this to help people. But somewhere yes. along the way, a large swath of people have decided instead they're going to actively stop people from getting educated and instead try and capitalize on their lack of education. And that's just, it's unethical and it's just plain shitty. Yeah. Particularly when so, those people have benefited from that same education and trying to push other people away from. So many yeah. people, like I find like belly breathing because of yoga, they've been fucked up because they followed some yoga person and belly breathing and then, then they become my clients. <laughs> I've, but belly breathing I've worked with a lot of yoga teachers on core and very, very often I've asked them, you know, why do you belly breathe? And say, so, well, it's very good for X, Y, and Z. I'm like, without being a dick. Can you mechanistically back that up? You, like, can you, like, uh, and I understand, by the way, that even if, you, even if it was correct, there's not going to be a lot of people who can explain the mechanics behind it. But not a single time can, can they. And I always say, well, okay, well, if you're getting expansion here, you're going to get compressive action on your side. If you're getting a expansion here, you're going to get an anterior tilt. You're going to get all these things. But again, Acutely, not always an issue, but for someone who's in chronic pain all the time and has a herniated L4, L5, S1, i.e. most yoga teachers, <laughs> not the best issues. Maybe stop, if I hear one more fucking yoga teacher saying hip opener. Hip opener. Hip, hip opener, opener is... Well, the irony is as well, I'm sure, like, good yoga is fucking phenomenal. Oh my God, like, the warrior pose. That's like any standing warrior pose, right? They are asymmetric. They're supposed to be asymmetric ribcage presentations. They're supposed to be a propulsive leg and a low-bearing leg. They're supposed to be a rotational component of the pelvis and the thorax 
in the cranium. Mm. They, they even have drishti. They have visual components, visual focal components in good yoga. The problem is good yoga is not taught anymore for the most part because you used to have to do a 10-year apprenticeship to become a teacher or 20 years. Now you do it in three weeks. Uh, I took a yoga, yoga certification to become a yoga teacher just for fun during the pandemic. And I had to, I never went back to it because in one of the lecturers, the anatomy, one of the lecturers, the anatomy lecturer said, hey guys, yeah, the anatomy lecturer, if you have someone in pain in your class, don't worry, it's not your fault. It's probably just their past life trauma. Fucking. Yeah. It's like, what I need you to do is take your big rock or crystal, whatever the fuck you pray to, smash it in half so it's sharp, and just sit on it. That is like one of the most unethical and professionally irresponsible things I've ever heard. But your past life trauma. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> like, I'm going to move to like a war torn country, and then nothing's my fault. Easy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, good to yeah. go. No, yeah. <laughs> this happened like I mean, not so extreme, but one of my clients with knee pain, and then two or three sessions, knee pain went away. And she had once told me that the doctor told me that I need to have vitamin D for my knee pain. I, I told her, like, we did the session in the evening, like in the night. So, where is <laughs> the sun? Where is the sun? <laughs> to, to exactly that, to know that the... You know, vitamin D, I believe, has has connotations and reactions with CRP and C-reactive proteins and like systemic inflammation. But like, that's a big fucking leap to make. That is yeah. such a big <laughs> well, like, why doesn't your other knee hurt? You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> they have that has adequate it's, get, it, it's getting all the vitamin D. You know, snatching <laughs> it from the other knee. I, I wear asymmetric skirts. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the sorry's fault. Encore because the sorry <laughs> so they have one one shin and knee that are getting the silver ones not. Oh my god. Just a, a lot this. of it. Like vitamin D, uh collagen, uh yeah, osteoporosis. You have osteoporosis, collagen, vitamin D. Done. Yeah, weight bearing activity. Yeah, <laughs> don't do don't don't do too much of physical activity. Which is exactly don't do, what it is. Don't do gym. <laughs> yeah. Or even arthritis is a diagnosis is the stupidest fucking thing ever. It's a symptomatic diagnosis. Yeah. You have like osteoarthritis as a diagnosis. It's like the diagnosis is shits and flame. <laughs> Why? Like rheumatoid is different. And then they have like there's a couple other variants of rheumatoid. Um poly like PMR, polymyalgic rheumalgia, uh, polymyalgic rheumalgia. I don't fucking know. It's something like that. But it's basically like super rheumatoid arthritis, stuff like that can be autoimmune mediated, and that's a different thing again. When you have just regular arthritis, are you loading that joint appropriately? Are you deloading that joint? Maybe actually like the first question we ask. <laughs> no, have you tried? You can just use diphene gel and be fine. Any sort of diclofenac gel, you okay? <laughs> the, one, the one thing that like, how do I say this? like as someone who works with other professionals, the thing that really gets me is like, I, I don't see the need in trying to like be something that you're not, right? So like, if you don't give a shit about gay, right? Fine. Like, that's yep. fine. Just don't talk about it and then don't talk shit about it, right? It's like, or don't deter people who are curious about learning more because yep. there's a reason why they're curious about learning more. That's yep. the thing that just gets to me. It's not like to call people out or anything like that. I'm just like, the arguing is just like so... 
it's just so weird. I don't know. But like, it's just like people are going to be curious about things for different reasons than you are. So like, just let them just do well, it. You know, and figure you know, it out. <laughs> never, never any field sport athletes complaining about people talking about gait. So weird. <laughs> or any athletes that actually have to move. Like if your entire athletic career is lifting something in a fucking straight line, why the fuck would you give a shit about movement? But also, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it literally, it literally doesn't matter. But like, also, I think just from a purely humanistic perspective, like, what the fuck is the point of that? You've taken the method of getting good at shit and making that the goal. Like, I'm strong. I fucking what? Like, what can you do? Nothing. You can move a very specific thing in a very specific straight line, but only within a very specific set of rules. <laughs> like, any other athlete can go and do another sport and be highly successful. That is a fair point. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, it's like uh, projecting. Yeah, but it's like, same as like, like same idea as like projecting how you like to train and the things you like to do to your clients, right? Oh, yeah. Or if I love like breathing drills and I have a client, a patient who doesn't want to do breathing drills, it's like me making them do that stuff, right? Sure. It's like the same idea. Like you're just like projecting onto them versus like, okay, well. I hate breathing work. I hate it. <laughs> I'm such a pain in the ass. I want to go and smash people. Right? <laughs> ah, I want to go fucking BJJ and just strangle some motherfucker. I want to punch someone in the face. Uh, like, that's what I like doing. But if it's going to get me better at the thing, I'll do this. Yeah. Um, like, the same, like, even like I can relate it to myself. Like when I played, when I played basketball in college, I would lift and my back would hurt all the time. Yep. I just did it because I thought I was supposed to. Then it's like, I became a PT and like, I'm playing like in like, competitive basketball leagues and like playing in like flag football leagues. And I'm like, my back doesn't hurt anymore. It's like, Oh, well I've changed the way that I view what I do in the weight room, you know? And yep. it's like supportive of the sports that I'm playing. So it's like, yeah, stuff will come up. I don't want to sound like I'm never like injury. No, of course not. You know, stuff comes up just from doing things, you know, but yep. it's like, it's different, right? Like now my body's not stiff. I can like get into like positions. I can like do stuff that makes sense for my sport, you know? So this kind of comes weird. back to what we talked about earlier though. There's this kind of prevailing idea that you can either care about being strong or care about movement quality and not both. And it's yeah. fucking asinine. Absolutely asinine. And I have tons of clients, there are tons of athletes that they have great movement capabilities. That's why they're athletes. Like, yeah, it's just fucking asinine to me. The idea that you can't do these both things, especially think that almost every single sport has a rotational component to it, bar strength sports. Every single sport that involves you moving forward, sideways, backwards, up, down, in space has a triplanar component to it. It's constantly triplanar, in fact, which means you have to be able to, this is the whole thing, like the fitness industry is obsessed with present or with the generation of force. Generation of force is fucking useless in sport and in life if you can't preserve and transfer that force. Like, there's a good reason you don't see powerlifters pitching a baseball because they can generate power sure as fucking hell can't transfer or preserve that power. Yeah. <laughs> 32 <laughs> miles an hour. Awesome. Well, when we did, uh, where I used to work, we did a NFL combine prep. And the dude, one of two guys who got drafted to the NFL, he was a wide receiver, just <laughs> sick athlete. Like this yep. one of the sickest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Super lean, just springy. Like he came in there, had a labral surgery, was in a sling had the highest vertical jump with the sling on 
like insane. His program, dude, he was doing like one arm because he couldn't use his arm. He was doing one arm, like kettlebell rack, like squats. It was like this, like there's no way this dude is getting stronger. He was yeah. just like, he got better at being an athlete. Meanwhile, yeah. we have people there whose like bench went up. They went from like, like 15 to like 21 reps at 225, all this stuff. And it's like, it didn't matter, right? Like the ba- this guy was going to the NFL no matter what we did with him. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, just don't hurt him, right? And he, he, he got more athletic. I'm like, this, this is insane to me. I don't understand. I don't understand anything. <laughs> I don't know. Just to exactly that point, like I think it was last Christmas just for fun. I was like, I'm just going to see what I can do. So I went to hook line, no arts bench press. I think I did, I think it was 195 or 200 pounds for 23 reps. I was like, yeah, not bad since I don't only bench press. <laughs> uh, you know, what our ram of like 380 and people are like that that's not but sh- shut up I'm like yeah see you don't have to fucking smash yourself to pieces and have sore joints to be strong and in fact it's just not necessary it's not productive and th- like in the fitness industry people are so obsessed with these fucking squat bench and deadlifts because fitness in its current iteration is obviously debatable but it's the bastard child of powerlifting and bodybuilding, mm. right? And those are the exact two sports with the most fucked up human beings you've ever seen. <laughs> like, have you, especially modern day bodybuilders, like go back to the 70s and 80s, those dudes are fucking jacked and they look good and they're still pretty athletic. They also did very different things to what they do now, both chemically and training wise. But like, I don't think I've ever seen a powerlifter and said, that's what I want to move like. Ah, he's lying. Limber. <laughs> so limber. No. That dude looks like a fucking a chocolate bar and left in the fucking freezer for six hours, then tried to eat, snap the fucking tooth. I mean, that's stiff. But it's like, what, what is strength, right? Like, I even think about what I'm doing now in the gym. And I remember I told Encore this, like my dad saw me like after not seeing me for like six weeks. And I started working with my friend Campo, my Camperini. And like my chest literally just looks bigger, like broader. And I'm like, there's no way I had a muscular adaptation where my pecs just magically grew. It's no. like, I'm just creating a change in the shape of my structure, literally. And like, I can run now. And what am I doing? I'm actually like lifting less weight than I was when I was at my strongest. Cause I'm like, well, fuck it. I can't run. So I might as well just get stronger. And then I just got, and this is not like I'm bashing strength training. I don't care what people no, do. Like, do what you want to do. I love, I love the gym actually. Um, but I just changed how I approach it. And it's like, now I can run. So my, my end goal, right. But physically my strength based on like how much I can like trap bar deadlift, uh, which always sucked anyway, is like not where it used to be, but it's like, ultimately like my terminal goal, I hit it and I'm able to do it. And I'm able to progress at that. It's like, there's just like these obsession with numbers at the cost of movement variability. Anytime we over-specialize in anything, there is a cost. And again, if you want to go into a sport where that's the norm, cool. But why the fuck would you put a gem pop person through that same process? Like, if you if you said any other sport, first of all, almost no other sport, they'll cry as much. That's one thing I have to say. Almost no other sport fucking cries as much as strength sports, particularly powerlifting. Oh, you don't want to do it the way I do it. Oh, my feelings are shut the fuck up. No one cares. About That's number one. And again, I'm I know I'm tarring everyone with the dirty brush there. There's a lot of great powerlifters. I'm not against powerlifting. But it's the most vocal community, at least on, when I post stuff about this. But if you took any other sport and said, you're going to train the way we train, even though you don't want to do this sport, I'd say you're a fucking idiot. Like, if you're like, hey, I'm going to train you like the same boat trains. 
I'm like, I don't want to sprint though. You'd be like, yeah, but this is how people train though. I'm like, no, it's how the same boat trains. I don't, I don't want to sprint though. I want to go swim. Shut up. We're doing this. Like, you'd, you'd say this guy's fucking cracked in the head. There's something wrong with him. But for some reason, but, but you know, because those are like the predecessors really to fitness, we think, oh, this is normal. Everyone should train like a powerlifter. No. And you, you actually get brought up a great point there as well. I have had so many people get significantly bigger packs over time and also over very, very short periods of time where there's not enough time for most adaptation. Because when we're here, we have this long stretch pack versus when we can actually get some IR in the fucking rib cage, the pack shortens up and is now much more dense looking. Also, from a bodybuilding perspective, it's not about being big, it's about looking big. Looking so, big. <laughs> if you can get that rib cage to get smaller in certain poses for a better lat spread, great. Also, every now and then someone says something when I say something about bodybuilding, but like, oh, would you know? I'm like, I have my drug free pro card, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> everyone's always got something to say. Everyone's got more than yours. Shut up. Oh, but even man. at that, we all know experience doesn't actually trump fucking facts anyway. It's true. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll go ahead, man. Like, logic beats experience, but a combination of two is ideal. It's, it's hmm. the way to do it. Yeah. It's just like very weird, like how, like, I don't know, like, when I'm, when I'm presented with information that maybe goes against what like I think, or it's like a different idea or something, like I'm never like really defensive about it. I'm like, no, oh, it's interesting. like, can you like, yeah, let's like talk about this. But like, you yeah. just like, when you're on like the internet and shit, it's just like, you said you like apples. Well, what about mangoes? Like you're an yeah. asshole. <laughs> like, you hate like, I love mangoes too, actually. I eat mangoes and bananas every night. Like it's like my favorite thing. <laughs> it's like, it's just so weird to me. Like all that stuff. It's just like, there's a lot to learn. Um, and I, I don't think you would say like, none of us know at all, right? Like it's no. like, if we when think that we're operating from that place, we're screwed. I'm so happy if they have a logical basis for that. Because it means I don't have to do the work to go and find that out. They just did it for me. <laughs> Perfect. I can be lazy. I love being lazy. Tell me. Yeah, wild. It's crazy talk. Crazy Imagine talk. A professional not being married to what you used to do and wanting to get better. That is just <laughs> asshole material right there. How dare you? <laughs> Impossible. We should stop learning as soon as we're finished and qualified. Whatever we do, stop. When I look when I look back at my January version, I feel like puking. Man, shit. Good. That's growth, man. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> <laughs> dog shit <laughs> that's gross but it gets fun as well on crew when you get to the point where you say something and realize that you think it's blindingly obvious and nobody else does mm. but because yeah, of course you do this and everyone's like okay <laughs> I forgot to fill the logic steps in the middle it's yeah ah oh, people it's people. unfortunately the problem is you're fighting human nature right? people want to be tribal and we talked about it earlier people want to make things that their whole identity whether it's an injury, whether it's yeah. a particular type of education, whether it's a sport. And if you attack that, they feel personally attacked and threatened. Ironically, it makes them more sympathetic and then they can't get more, more movement variability. But, you yeah. know. No, that's true, man. It's 100% true. Anything I, you can get a try, man. I've always said people, and I, I'll, I'll say I'll straight off the bat, I don't do a great job at this. It's maybe like 30, 70. When people come at me respectfully and disagree with me, I'll have a great conversation. You come at me at, with ad hominem attacks, I'll fucking burn it to the ground. But like very, very often when people come at, come at me really harshly, if I'm in a good mood that day, <laughs> if I, or if I don't have time to just start a fun war to entertain myself, 
Sometimes I do. Um, I sometimes I do it knowingly. Other times I say, hey, I'm so happy that you're so mad at me because you're obviously passionate about getting best results for people. Yeah. Disarms them immediately because their identity has been good at a job. Yeah. You know, they're like, I care about my patients. I do the best. You're a shot and a thief and a bad person. I'm like, no, I'm not. I also don't claim to be fucking magical. I'm just straight up honest. But I'm like, okay, so you claim, you know, you, you want the best for your clients. Yeah, of course I do. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, how about this? I propose things in very simple, logical questions that allows them to come to their own conclusions. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, maybe you should look more into this. Cool. Feel free or don't. Don't care. <laughs> like, or don't. It could, it could, but it comes back to the question, you know, three ways to sell, sell someone training. What's your goal? Be the best at yeah. my job. Cool. How long has that been your goal for? Forever. Cool. What have you done to actually make that happen? Uh, well, I took a course five years ago. Okay, then. <laughs> Maybe there's some new material. Maybe. Just throw it out there. <laughs> I was going to gently slide that one across the middle of the table. You can, you can take it. You don't have to. You can leave it there. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, All right, guys. On this note, I do have to run. Oh, there's the pup. <laughs> he's actually been feeding me lines this entire time nice i should listen to my dogs they sound a little more logical than me half the time i'm surprised they didn't bark this whole time he's the brains of the operation <laughs> it's like bro i'm trying to sleep <laughs> yeah and he's like, let, let me back get back to my pillow for <laughs> cool do you guys have any like last questions or Oh, there'll be a lot of good rants. Just rants, yeah, good rants. Encore is going to have a field day editing this one, so it's good. <laughs> for, for Paul, I mean, uh, when I first got to know about him, and I got to know about you in the lockdown, and you're like, Corona, like, hey, <laughs> there, there was something like, Corona, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Uh, I used to have a cool last name. Like everybody, be like, oh, like the beer. That's awesome. And then like the pandemic hit, and I'd go like, <laughs> buy, go buy oh, a like the whiskey, and they'd be like, can I see your ID, and they'd be like, <laughs> they just like look down. They'd avoid eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna ride this one out. It'll be cool again. And then Snoop Snoop Dogg did the uh, Corona, uh, the Corona beer commercials, and I think that <laughs> got my family back in the in the cool category of, of names because now in your, house, in your house they definitely call it covid never call it coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well that was i know i came in late but that was a great chat y'all i, I, I think uh, when it comes to like pain and other stuff like this cranium and pelvic floor like very sensitive like rest you can still manage and it's fine like knee ankle shoulder back i think this these two areas are like really sensitive and it can make someone so underconfident and lonely and yeah. question their own existence these two parts yeah, oh, no, you we, mean from their client perspective? Like yeah, pain wise, dealing with those. Oh, 100%. A, yeah. A new pelvic floor client, he he told me, like, I would sweat this pain, like, give me in the neck, give me in the shoulder, give me in the back. Don't give yep. me there. Like, did sciatica is crippling, pelvic floor issues, even like, even like non pain related pelvic floor issues. Like, imagine being 22, 23 and 
like having erectile dysfunction. Like pooping becomes a task. Me in the face, break my arm, that's fine. Like, but yeah, exactly. like that's that's gonna take the wind out of your like in your mid twenties. You know, when you're just kind of finding yourself as a human being, like having that much pelvic floor issue that your dick doesn't work. Like, it was surprising. Like, I've been going deep into the pelvic floor stuff lately. But uh, I'm 29 now. I'm about to turn 30 next week. But I thought it was funny that uh, when I was like 27 and the and my, you know, all my little symptoms, ankle pain and all that, as I've been trying to get back into sprinting and pole vaulting, mm-hmm. like all of that was an issue. And then it's funny how I had this interest in helping moms and then around, you know, so I looked into pelvic floor stuff, but then you start to get into pelvic floor stuff when you're looking at like performance, like high levels of performance and pressure management and then it was it was really interesting to me to see how like I was lacking this gradient in my pelvic shape change abilities. And then once I got rid of my ankle pain, which really came from being able to like change shape, I noticed like around 27, I'd be like finished taking a piss and then I'd like be done. I'd be like I'm done, give it a little shake. And then I get up and be like fucking couple dribbles will come out of my pants. I'm like, what the fuck, dick? Like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in your prime right now. And then like, and then I'm like, I'm like, what the hell's happening? And then it's so funny that since my ankle pain and all my issues have kind of gone away and I feel like I'm actually able to like reciprocate, it's like that stopped. Yep. And I was like, whoa, like dude, <laughs> whoa, dudes might be thinking they're they're like their body's failing them. Yeah. When in fact, like you just lost this ability to like change shape or like use different tissues and you, know? you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there paul like like you like that is that's a horrible thought to have so if you can give someone that take that away from them immediately take that negative maladaptive thought away being like oh it's normal oh these things are all related all of a sudden they're like oh my god yeah oh, oh shit's gonna work it's okay i actually like my you know guys in the 40s 50s they don't give a shit about the floor and most of the women who aren't postpartum, don't care either. So I always tell the women, because this is true, the clitoris passes through the pelvic floor in the back of it is the G-spot. Like the back of the clitoris is the G-spot. So it's like, the better your pelvic floor, if you're someone who's anorgasmic or you know, a lady who can't get good orgasms or multiple orgasms, the better your pelvic floor and respiration, likely the better your orgasms. All of a sudden yeah. they're like, Ah, that is why they blame it on the men always. Like, no, like, <laughs> you, you, are, you are also responsible. <laughs> for the guys, for the guys, the blood supply for the penis oh, goes yeah. to the floor as well. So, you know, especially 40s, 50s, if your piece ain't working, do your respiration and then do your pelvic floor work. And all of a sudden they're like, you should have let off with this. <laughs> Damn. Help your sciatica and your herniated discs as well. But fuck that, right? Yeah. We, we should have started with that. That would have gotten people listening to the end. Damn. I got some editing to do, Encore. I have to send by through here right now, Encore, right? If you want your genitalia to work well, <laughs> breathing and pelvic floor work is important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Paul, Paul, when's your birthday? Uh, the 11th. So next. Oh, nice. Next Sunday. Mine's uh, the 5th. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Nice. I'm yeah, I think April. April 420? 420 for me. Wow. Is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Solid. Who's your birthday, Ankor? 
September 30, last day of September. Oh, okay. Just Happy belated, man. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- this opens up a lot of things. Like you see people saying, uh, I, have, I mean, most men, like they finish early and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> women say, yeah, but like, but if the woman is like, not orgasming or something like that. Okay, this is also something like because you have pen, you do not have IR in the hips. This is also <laughs> one of the biggest reasons. Like you are blaming blaming everything on the men that you are not that you are not stimulated. God damn your pelvic floor is. This seems very personal right now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, like this has happened. Yeah, anything you want to talk about. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Let's stop. I told you it wasn't my fault. Goddamn, Cosidius! Oh my god! Oh, what the hell? You Wild. join the you join the gym. We gain iron. Come back. Yield, yield. It's all about well good looking, good naked. But if you can't preserve and transfer the force. That's it. <laughs> tie, it tie it all together. <laughs> oh man, where do you go from I, there? As soon as I gain a lot of pelvic floor people, I'm gonna like talk about this stuff on the internet as well. Oh, dude, not not as of now, <laughs> but uh... a very quick anecdote to finish. I had a lady, super nice girl, she's maybe 30 years old, hit and run, got hit by a, I think it was a, a news delivery truck, like a newspaper truck, early in the morning. At Montauk, super nice girl, fractured pelvis, fractured legs, fractured ribs, concussion, bunch of other stuff. And I was helping with her with her uh, chronic rehab. She's had acute pain and got referred to me with some of the back issues she had. Her pelvis fucking messed up, obviously full of pins and stuff. And you know, after a couple of sessions, she's like, "Oh, pain's gone, but I have to tell you something." You know, like I just don't know if I can. And we, this is something that we should talk about because it's not talked about. Yeah. You know, three four sessions in, she's like, "I can't." I can't orgasm anymore. And I was like, oh, you should have said that. So we spent, we did, you know, spent a little more time on the pelvic floor. She came back the next day, big shitting grin on her face. Guess what? I'm like, I don't have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to guess. I, 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 I wish women were that open, like, uh, open here. I wish they were more open here uh, regarding this stuff. It's like, and especially someone of the opposite gender, they're like, they can talk about yeah. back, neck, whatever. But yep. this stuff they don't really talk about so but think about too like like rua just said it like this needs to be talked about more this is like problem Mm -hmm. awareness people don't even know that some of these things are even an issue especially like dudes right like they don't even like women i i know women uh i mean some of my friends and people i know they can't even lift uh like 7.5 or 10 kilos dumbbell or kettlebell like your your pregnancy is pregnancy is gonna destroy your body. You have no idea. Like you yep. can't even gener- generate that amount of force to lift a seven point five or ten kilo. Like you're you you fragile AF. Like you're gonna get destroyed. Pregnancy is going to destroy you. And then you have people who are trying to address pelvic floor issues without addressing a ribcage position whatsoever. If you don't have descending pressure from a diaphragm, you and if your pelvic is pelvic floor is like long and stretched secondary to the pelvis position. You got no chalk. Again, you might get acute change, but you're not going to get a chronic change there. And that's, it's unfortunate. There's a lot of pelvic floor specialists. I'm not, again, I'm 
you know, throwing a wide net out here, there are some great ones, of course. But if you're going off that pelvic floor and not addressing the ribcage and pelvis position in the first place, what the fuck are you really doing? One thing that I've seen, like I've got recently two pelvic floor people, their breathing is so inconsistent in the session, like they do great. Again, the, like the belly breathing comes in. But the, like, I've, I've told them, like none, none of it will work if you cannot consistently breathe in that manner where you're getting chest and back and everything. And they understand that on high stress days, just belly comes up. I'm like, cool, relax. You have we to understand. The more background stress you have going on, the more everything starts to reverse. And I think stress, uh, this and this, this I don't have any experience of, but the stress, I think this part gets affected like really faster than any other part, I think, because all this blood clenching and everything stiffening up. Other parts do as well, but I think this gets amplified because it's a very sensitive area. Your confidence is there, uh, like everything is there. I think a lot of us are also getting stressed in a seated position. It's probably not helping that. If you're oh, sitting, yeah. at, sitting at work all day, leaning forward all the time, they're, they're just keeping that, that long position. And yeah. yeah. I, 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 I had a client, like, he, he's a driver, truck driver, and like 15 hours a day driving. Like, you have to be alert. It's not like desk job, like where you can relax. No, you have to be alert. 15 hours yep. a day and pelvic floor. Like, they're yeah, also. That job. A lot Jesus of truck drivers also heavily rely on stimulants, like mm. caffeine and sometimes stronger stimulants. For, for 40 cigarettes. He has 40 cigarettes. At, I mean, not great if you're trying to get lung expansion. Four yeah. zero cigarettes. 40? 40. Like, can you imagine, like, we're, if you're going to get lung expansion, like those nicotine, <laughs> like, settling down there. I mean, taking up space in, in the thorax. Like, you get that full uh, exhalation, it's just going to cough, 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 cough. Yes, yes. Like, I mean, I've told him, change the job. Like, breathing drills are not, like, 15 hours of being high alert, like, driving and sitting down sedentary, no fluid change, like, no gradient change. Change the job. Simple. That's a tough one. So, yeah. Gentlemen, on that note, I got a jet. Same. Yes. Um, Yes, I'm going to I'm gonna upload a story taking you three that we talked about all this stuff. Cool, cool. I'm here for yes. it. Paul, yes. Paul, pleasure to meet you. Sean, pleasure great to talk to you. Via video as well. My pleasure, right. man. I'll yeah. see you all guys soon. Yeah, yeah. All right. See you, man. See you, guys. Yeah.